This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Roberta Rayel. And I'm Kateri Zuni. Tonight, Generation Justice is bringing you a special edition of our programming as we lift up the voices of our Black family and community members. Generation Justice is committed to building a world where love and justice are one and the same. There are so many people who are not being heard and who won't have the opportunity to be heard. So we reached out to many of our GJ fam to offer this space to them. We invite you to listen this evening to the deep emotions, the brilliance, and analysis that 13 of our former and current members have to offer to our community. Music has the power to push movements forward. So tonight, we also feature the songs our guests have chosen, starting with A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, selected by Joshua Horton, a longtime Generation Justice member. We start with Tama Reed. She's a longtime member of Generation Justice, and her message is powerful. Devante Watson has been a prominent young leader in our community and continues to show his leadership in his message tonight. Hi, everybody. My name is Tama Reed. My pronouns are she, her. And I am a veteran member of Generation Justice. I've been around for over 10 years now. I want to take this time to talk about anger. To the Black community, it's okay to be angry. I'm angry. And I think that the events that we are seeing in states around the country and really in cities around the world right now are due to the pent-up anger, frustration, and devastation that Black people have been feeling for a long time. And I want to make it clear that this anger is not just due to the unjust murder of George Floyd. It's not just due to the unjust murder of Breonna Taylor or of Ahmaud Aubrey. I think that these events were tipping points in the way that Black people across America are feeling right now. But Black people my age and Black people much older than me have spent their lives being hit over and over and over again by a never-ending wave of racist, hate-filled violence against Black people solely because of the color of our skin and it has to stop. So if you're somebody who is having a hard time understanding why Black people might be feeling angry, why people might be protesting in the middle of the street, or why people might even be rioting, 
I want you to take the time to think about the pain that Black people have been feeling every single day. Because the truth of the matter is that since Black people were forcibly brought to this country, we have faced mountains of violence and mountains of injustice. And since the beginning, people have been telling us what is and is not the right way to respond. We were told that the March on Selma was not the right way to protest. We were told that kneeling on TV was not the right way to protest. And now we're being told that this isn't the right way to protest either. There is no right way to protest, right? That doesn't exist. So again, if you're wondering why Black people are so angry, I want you to remember that this response, this anger is really a reaction to centuries of injustice. It's a response more recently to decades of watching our Black brothers and sisters being murdered in front of us on video. And really, it's a response to genocide. So it's not hard to understand why violence might create more violence. It's like punching somebody in the face 15 times and then asking them to respond peacefully. That's not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. So instead of telling people how they should or shouldn't protest, maybe take the time to think about why people protesting the way that they are is making you so angry and maybe sit in that anger for a while. And maybe that anger will help you relate to and sympathize with the Black community and how we have been feeling for so long. And take time to listen to your Black friends, listen to the Black community and Black leaders about how and why we're feeling the way that we do. But I want to end with this. I am honored to be a Black woman in spite of and because of all of these things. Black people, I love you and we will get through this. Hello, my name is Devante Kurt Watson and I live right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. My heart has just been really heavy. Like a lot of Americans, uh, the reality of losing a loved one to gun violence or violence due to discrimination uh, is just uh, very common to some folks and now just becoming a, a norm to others. But unfortunately, the uh, reality of violence for many people, including myself, has been a lived experience. Losing somebody to gun violence uh, that was motivated by discrimination. And I think that now America's opening the eyes to that reality of those that experience that. Uh, it it kind of gets to me that uh, we're at this point as humanity, right, 2020, we think about the advancements in technology, but yet we find ourselves at this point questioning where are we at as uh, humanity and treating other people. It's common, uh, you know, through microaggressions or over discrimination, we other and distance ourselves and treat people differently and prescribe different uh, treatment and engagement with certain people. And that has perpetuated itself to a point of burnout. And that's what we're seeing in the streets. As a black man, 
I could say uh, I'm burnt out because I've, I've felt it my whole life. The state of New Mexico has a long history of anti-Blackness. And I think this is a great opportunity for the state of New Mexico to have this discussion. Before Jamestown, right, 1619, the New York Times has a wonderful piece uh, and project of the 1619 project and how uh, the colonies formed. But before the colonies formed and slavery was instituted, there was first Santa Fe, which was uh, one of the first, I say, original colonies. Uh, traversing across that trail uh, to, the, to Santa Fe was Estevan the Moor. Many refer to him as Estevanico, as we know, when we add an ito to uh, a word in Spanish that uh, makes it little, minimizes and demasculinizes and dehumanizes somebody. And I call him by his uh, true name, Estevan. And that's just the name that they gave him too, right? <laughs> but I talk about the anti-blackness of that being a starting point for this state and how colonization has perpetuated a violence in this state that we still haven't addressed. And it, that includes uh, the presence and anti-blackness of black people. And recently we had a uh, court case called the Yazian Martinez versus the state of New Mexico where the court out of the second judicial district found the state of New Mexico in compliant with article 12 of the state constitution that says all children, all children should receive sufficient and adequate equal education. We see the proficiency scores uh, marginalized among demographics of, uh, of communities of color. Uh, Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, those who are uh, economically disadvantaged are performing significantly lower than the student average. Uh, a part of the data that I will mention with the case that I called during this time of Black Lives Matter is although the Yazi and Martinez case did not mention African Americans, the line is clear that African Americans are a group that were being underserved. The state of New Mexico also deemed in the past that African Americans are uh, statistically insignificant in the state of New Mexico. So when we keep on overlooking uh, populations through data and interpretations that shapes the viewpoint of the community and of policy leaders of these particular communities. So that's why it does not surprise me that uh, a burnout has now erupted to this point is because in the, the words of Dr. King, not to say that I condone riots or that there is uh, rioting happening at this moment in, in Albuquerque or in the state of New Mexico, but it's a channel of the voice of the unheard, the underserved. And that is where we are in, at in the state of New Mexico and African Americans feel that way because we are not statistically insignificant. We are here. We have been here since before the start of the country, before the start of statehood, and we're here to stay, and we're here to make contributions to the state of New Mexico, to the United States, and to the race of humanity. Thank you, Tama Reed and Devante Watson for sharing your passion and also for reminding us of the important historic perspectives that you shared. Next, we'd like to share the messages of Joshua Horton 
and Jeremy Jones. Both of these young leaders were very active in Generation Justice during middle school and high school. Now, they are young men that we are so proud of in our community. Hello everyone, my name is Joshua Horton. I am a man of God. I am an actor in film and television um, and a teacher. First and foremost, I wanna send my condolences to the Floyd family. Not only is it difficult to lose a loved one, but to lose him in such a tragic and horrific way is absolutely heartbreaking. My love and prayers are with you. I believe George Floyd is yet another victim of a systemic disease of racism targeted at black lives in America. My heart is heavy, yet hopeful. My heart is broken, yet healing. I'm heartbroken because it seems to me almost every day there's new news of police brutality and, and murder of unarmed black men, women, children, gays, lesbian, trans, black lives. America has come to a combustible point fueled by its lack of justice and lack of leadership. America is sick because of two pandemics, COVID-19 and racism. I could go down the list of names of black lives we've lost, but we don't have the time or space to name them all. I remember going to Detroit when nine-year-old Diana Stanley Jones was asleep on the couch and shot in the head by the police. I remember being 17, the same age as Trayvon Martin as he was shot and murdered in cold blood. And just in 2020, seeing Ahmaud Arbery hunted down and murdered for jogging while black. And now the explosive outrage over George Floyd being suffocated by a knee, compressing his spine and stealing his life. And now there's division everywhere. There's extremists on both sides. I've seen extremes from my fellow brothers wanting to put hits out on police and ignorant and pathetic rhetoric of so-called white friends saying racism is not a thing. Supposed allies who quote unquote love this revolutionary porn. Someone in the right mind does not enjoy violence. I do not condone the violence, but I do understand that rioting is the language of the unheard. And when justice has been absent for centuries, people get tired. And it's sad that it takes a burning building to get America's attention, but you know what else is disturbing to me? As a white man walking into a black church and killing nine worshipers, and the police taking him to Burger King for fries and a drink. When George Floyd allegedly used a fake 20 to buy cigarettes, and he dies a brutal death face down on the pavement by the hands of the police. Where is the justice? Where is the equality? Where is the love? Where is the compassion for another human being is senseless? You have white looters breaking into businesses and stealing while the peaceful protesters standing in their right to protest are being called thugs by the leader of this nation. And I'm appalled at what I see. The ignorance on my timeline, the hate, the lack of knowledge and understanding. White people are shocked in awe, but this is nothing new. And I refuse to accept it. I refuse to be numb to it. My heart is broken. My heart bleeds and cries for justice. I see white protesters standing in their right to come out of quarantine and the president applauds them. 
and black protesters are fighting for their right to live and are demeaned in every single way. Blasted with mace and rubber bullets. And now you have 45 who pelts peaceful protesters outside the White House to walk and have a photo op with the Bible at the House of God. Trump, if you picked up the Bible and actually read and digested the message, this country would be better for it. It's a disgrace as a black man, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ to see you hold up that Bible. The greatest commandments in that Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That's the first. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no love in racism. There is no love in brutality. There is no love in murder. There is no love in looting. There is no love in violence. There is no love in spewing your opinion and forgetting that George Floyd lost his life, that no amount of rioting or justice will bring him back to his family. But I'm hopeful. My God is faithful and God is a God of love and justice. And I am motivated to keep being myself and walking into my fullest potential, not only as a black man in America, but even greater as a follower of, of Christ. And I rebuke and resist every urge to conform to this country's standard of love. I will keep dreaming and keep being me in all my unique blackness. And I will keep loving and keep praying for the healing of this country and the disease of systemic racism. I will keep protesting. I will keep fighting. And change will come because you can take my body, but you can't take my spirit. And George Floyd and all of our fallen brothers and sisters live on through our fight. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jeremy Jones. I have been affiliated with KUNM Youth Radio slash Generation Justice since 2010, 2009. I've lived in Albuquerque since I was young. Moved out here when I believe I was five. The reason my voice is so shaky is I'm recording this after uh, Josh Horton spoke and listening to my fellow kin, people like Josh, people like Killer Mike, come together and talk about the injustices that are happening to our community really does just truly shake me to my core. It's very tough to listen to everyone speak about the injustices that they face and then have people that were supposedly our friends back in high school, supposedly our best friends, come out and basically say Black lives don't matter unless they're taken by a white man, saying Black lives don't matter unless it's taken by a cop. No one wants to talk about Black lives until someone's killed and that's not been the narrative and it hurts for people to come out and say things like that this entire movement has been a movement for since before my parents were born before my grandma was born and to see it become political when we we're just talking about civil rights human rights we're talking about equality we're talking about i am not better than you you are not better than me we are not better than each other we are all equal and to have you come back at me and say no or but this, it hurts. My thoughts and prayers go out to the family of George Floyd. I can't believe the feeling of losing a family member in that way and then having the country response be such an issue. I don't understand if you can truly watch that video and say that the police officer didn't do anything wrong, the three other police officers didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand how you can watch something like that and come back with an argument. I don't understand how something has been institutionalized in our system since we were technically free. We were not freed. We 
were put into a system which still oppressed us. And we are trying to get out of that system today and it's becoming very, very clear who is with us and who is not with us. And people are saying that we are protesting incorrectly. I don't know how we're supposed to be protesting that it's okay for you. We're just asking to be equal. And you're saying, well, you're asking incorrectly. You're doing this incorrectly. I don't understand what it should be. And after watching the president in the Rose Garden yesterday and seeing him declare protesters and Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization and saying that protesters will be shot, it doesn't make sense how this is the response to a Black man being killed in the streets by a police officer. It doesn't make sense that he can label Antifa a domestic terrorist organization, but we still have active factions of the KKK out in Rio Rancho and Albuquerque. It doesn't make sense that when I was driving here, a police officer followed me to my house. It doesn't make sense that the media wants to push a certain agenda that the rioters are coming from the protesters. It's coming out now, it's trying to leak, but we've known that it's groups like the Proud Boys that go out and start this violence under the guise of Antifa. We know that people are going out using these protests to push their own hate against us. I'm speaking from the heart right now because I've had to sit and process a lot of thoughts. And my point is this, there's a lot of misinformation that's going around right now. There's a lot of hatred that's being spread under the guise of we want equality. And the message is simple. We just want to be treated equally. We don't want to be killed in the streets anymore. We don't want the violence in the streets, but nothing we tried before has worked. And seeing our president go on television and declare us the problem has hurt even more. Seeing the police stand around the police officer, the murderer's house, as his own personal bodyguard, when I know people who have asked for police help and the police said that they cannot be personal bodyguards for people. This country has truly shown me a different side in the past week. And I don't understand why we asked for equality and it's turned into this. And I'm sorry that this was just a jumbled rant, but that's basically what I got. You just heard the voices of longtime GJ members, Joshua Horton and Jeremy Jones. Joshua, thank you so much for your powerful words. And thank you so much for bringing your spirituality and your faith into this message, along with the anger and the hope that you shared. And Jeremy, thank you for trusting Generation Justice with the pain that you're experiencing at seeing your white counterparts fail to meet you in this moment. Just know that Generation Justice stands with you in solidarity. Welcome back to Generation Justice and the special edition of our program. We bring you more voices of our Generation Justice family this evening. We start with longtime Generation Justice member, Nicole Beatty. She lays her heart out for us this evening. We hear from GJ member, Josh Green, a young man who's grown up in Albuquerque. He is followed by one of the first young people to ever be part of Generation Justice, Avikra Lucky. 
Ciao, Kakben. Benton Mayi, Nicole Beatty. Hello, friends. My name is Nicole Beatty. My pronouns are she, hers, J, M. And I am a 10 year plus member of Generation Justice. I come to you guys extremely weary and extremely saddened. I am emboldened in rage and I sit with this anger and I am wrapped in sadness because this is a rage that I am not unfamiliar with. This is a rage that my people are not unfamiliar with. I am proud to say I'm a black queer woman, but it saddened means that I'm still here that I'm still here and in order for me to be okay, to go with my day-to-day, to address things at work with my white counterparts, knowing that I don't wanna have this conversation, knowing that it pisses me off when they ask me if I'm okay. Are you okay? And I have nothing to give them except no. But there's never no follow-up. It always feels like it's empty and half-hearted and half-assed. So I sit here and the only thing that I know to go to that I can speak from is to go back to my spirituality and the practices that I hold. To know that going into nature and calling in the directions, acknowledging the north, the south, the east, the west, the ground that I stand on and the sky above me helps soften me through this, to get me through my day to day. To know that I've spent more time in nature just so that I'm able to show up for me and my family. And so that's what I offer to you, my community, my Black brothers and sisters. When you're feeling weary and you don't know where to go, what is the one place that you can go to that holds you, that you know where you're safe? Go into your unlimitless light. It is in you. You are surrounded by a community, by folks who love you. And if your anger shows up in protesting and rioting, You are right in that. We've been here for 400 years. We've been here longer than 400 years. And to my white community members who are unfamiliar with these day-to-day feelings of being angry and wayward and exhausted, just existing in your day-to-day, educate yourself. Don't look to me. Don't look to your Black Karen of Hearts. It's not for us to do this work. It's for you to go educate yourself. And if you want to know if you're doing the right thing, go online. There's tons of resources, but don't look to me. I love every single one of you guys. To the youth, to our young Black brothers and sisters, I'm here for you guys. And I love you guys. Aida Fat. Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Green. I'm from Generation Justice. I'm just here to speak my mind about all the recent events that's that has been happening recently for the racism, the protests, the riots, the pandemic, whatever. There's like so many things are happening that shouldn't happen in the first place. And like, there's plenty of things that can get my blood boiled. But lately, just witnessing the racism of George getting killed by a police officer and everybody watching around and not helping him, and him just crying out for help, and then them just letting him die. It's stupid. Let me ask you all, like, what, what was the point? What was the point of these two months or three months, however long it's been going on, 
how at this point do we not cherish? How do we not cherish each other? Every time I go online, especially if I'm playing video games or whatever, and I hear people say the N-word or just race, racial slurs, it's like, really? It, it pisses me off without a doubt. But I know they're trying to get under my skin and whatnot. How, how do you say a word doesn't mean anything, but then if the same thing applies to you, like in, different, in a different way, then yeah, it does affect you. If you say the N-word online, then you're going to say it to other people. You could say it's out of rage or anger. Well, that's a lame excuse. So I'm pretty upset about how immature most of these politicians, the president, everyone that's most of the police officers I see on the video cameras, they just think they're high and mighty, but they're not. Their job is to protect people not harass them, not diminish who they are as a human being based on their color, whatever. They're supposed to protect us, not demoralize us, not hurt us, especially if we're being peaceful. How do we end up here? I've been thinking so hard. I've been pushing myself so hard to become so better to prove that my skin color really doesn't define me. Like I want to be a voice actor. And I know that as soon as I go into auditions, whatever, if I go perform on a stage, like there's expectations for me to perform towards the idealistic standards that are stereotyped. And that's not a good feeling to have. All this hate, all this anger that's been building up inside of me, I had enough of this. Like I've been, I've been going at it so I can make a name for myself, so I can show all the younger kids, all the people within the community or the people I'm here in the program with to show them, no, let's stand up for ourselves. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to show you guys it's okay to be yourselves. Not everybody's going to like you especially not the white supremacists or the racist assholes. Don't hold yourself back because that's what they want. And I'm not going to hold myself back just because it's not pleasing those type of people. So, yeah. Hello, my name is Avika Lucky. I am a former Generation Justice producer and current... Um, broadcast television producer for a network affiliate in Denver, Colorado. Right now, I am actually thankful to have my job as a news producer at a mainstream television broadcast station. I know that there is a lot of pushback for mainstream media, but I think it's important to remain in these kind of spaces to make sure that different perspectives are able to be heard on large platforms. This week has been challenging um, personally and professionally. My newsroom has struggled with maintaining diverse voices when it comes to the protests. And as journalists of color, 
at my station, we have come together to make sure that our voices are heard collectively and we are able to tell the stories of our own communities in ways that make sense to us and that honor our own inner selves. Producing right now has been tough personally in that watching all of these images and seeing all of these comments online and not having control over any of it is very hard, especially as a news producer. We are sort of the kind of people who like to have control. Um, I have found that working as a news producer right now has actually helped me sort through those feelings of powerlessness. I'm able to help shape and mold how the coverage looks on the show that I work on. And that has helped me cope with the trauma of seeing these videos, of hearing some of these different perspectives on the issue, um, of hearing the denials that this is an actual issue, of hearing the voices trying to downplay um, the violence or to hear the voices who are dismissive of our experiences, no matter how many times we tell them, no matter how many different ways we tell them. But I think it's important for people of color to make sure that they are their own advocates, even if it's within themselves, to find ways to cope with those feelings that I know we are all having right now. Um, right now, I feel that this feels different. We've seen these protests in the last few years and this one feels different. And I think it's combined with the powerlessness that now a lot of white people are having to deal with and that we are in this pandemic together. Like they can understand what it's like not to have control over your own fate. Um, and I think that has helped open minds of a lot of non-people of color and I think now is a unique opportunity to help get the conversation going, keep it going in meaningful ways that will impact change. And that's why I got into media in the first place. It's why I started with Generation Justice and it's why I keep going even though I'm tired and it's hard and I don't make a lot of money. I still find value in making sure that our stories are told. And I hope that any aspiring journalists of color, any other journalists of color working right now, no matter what format it is, no matter what platform you're working on, all of our voices need to be heard right now and all of our experiences are valid. And now is the time for us to speak up. And now is the time for non-people of color to listen and take that a step further and do action to end these systemic issues that have impacted the country for hundreds of years. You just heard from Nicole Beatty, Joshua Green, and Avikra Lucky. Thank you so much, Nicole, for sharing your truth, sharing your frustration, and your honest reaction to this moment. Your DJ family is with you. Joshua, I so appreciate the words you shared. And when you asked why we don't cherish each other, that moment spoke to me and I know it resonates throughout this community. 
And to Avikra, thank you so much for sharing your experience as a Black woman in a newsroom today. Your work as a producer is so important and vital to these stories being accurately told. And next, we are so happy to present to you the messages from a father and a son. Zan Dixon has been with Generation Justice for a couple of years, and he is a wise, wise soul. And his father, Aaron Dixon, is a prominent social justice leader in our community that brings a message of both wisdom and light that many of us need to hear. Hi, my name is Zan Dixon. I've been with Generation Justice for almost two years now. So 2020 has, by a lot of people, been considered a pretty bad year, but I don't see it that way. In other words, I actually see it as one of the more important and better years that we've had in recent history due to these protests lately, as it is kind of an awakening. It's a new chapter in the world of minority rights and civil rights and everything, the rights for the people. It's a new part, you know, it's a new sense. And I think it's pretty great just hearing all the outrage between the young people and even the old people in the world right now about race. And I think it's great. Another thing is, I think there's also a lot of misplacement by the media and everything about how what's really going on. And I feel like they're putting a lot more blame on things that aren't really happening or like a lot of other people, conservatives and people on the right are saying, oh, these riots are terrible, they're destroying small businesses. But really what, when you're doing something like that, you're kind of taking away from the point that these people, these innocent unarmed black men are actually getting shot, you know? So I think it's also a sense of deceivement that we need to be able to get past, we need to be able to see through. But I think we've been doing a good job at that. I don't know, we've grown into a new life, so yeah. My name is uh, Aaron Dixon, uh, former member of the uh, Black Panther Party, original Black Panther Party. This is probably one of the most important times in American history that we've had in a long time. For the first time, the issue of police violence against Black people has garnered international attention throughout the world. For the first time, many white people in America have come to a realization that all the things that Black people have been saying about them being stopped, being harassed, being brutalized, being killed, finally, a lot of white people see the truth that we have been talking. And what's so beautiful about this moment is that awareness that has taken place. It is almost like an awakening that has taken place in America. And this is an awakening that is long overdue because if we cannot change this conflict, this brutality, this murder that is happening to black people and people of color, then there's not too many other things that we're gonna be able to change in this country. So. My hats off to all the demonstrators, to all the different communities that have come out and has decided that this issue is important to them, that they want to change this issue. Just maybe, just maybe, that we can finally get some type of 
legislation passed that will change the way that police officers conduct themselves and how they react when they stop a black person or a person in color. Thank you. You just heard the voices of Zan Dixon and Aaron Dixon. Zan, thank you so much for always lending your voice to Generation Justice. And I commend you and your bravery and the hope that you see in this moment, this awakening, as you say. And thank you to Aaron Dixon for joining us and sharing your analysis. Thank you for helping us to see that this moment is actually a global recognition of police violence towards Black people and Black communities. Asia Lujan is a brilliant young woman who is going to make New Mexico proud for many years to come. Elijah Cage is one of our current Generation Justice lights who always brightens every space that he is in. And we're grateful to Elijah and to Asia for sharing their messages with us today. Hi, my name is Asia Lujan. Um, I have been with Generation Justice for as long as I can remember. Um, I remember joining when I was 13 and it has been such a um, big community in my life. Um, one that's had me feel like I had a voice. So I am overjoyed that they um, came to me to give a message today. So today I come to you with a heavy heart um, over what's going on. I know like a lot of people, there's rage, there's sadness, but overall as the week has been going by, I've been getting filled with hope. I would say that what's happened over the past week has been long overdue. There are many people that I do know um, that have been sharing their voices and this has been building for centuries. Um, I know that the African-American community over the world and their allies, you know, have seen this injustice for so long. Um, and this is finally a time where we get to reach out and we get to let people know exactly how we're feeling. There's been a lot of sadness that comes from this due to the power in our nation and then in our country, um, it comes from people who are in politics, who have so much to say, but it's negative. There are people who are still trying to oppress us. There are people who still see that there isn't a problem. Um, there are many that look in the face of protesters and everybody on social media and still don't quite understand where we're coming from or why it's justified. And that's quite where my fear comes from because my hope is that at the end of this, at the end of this long road, I know it's going to last for a while because it's been brewing for so long. Um, I know it's going to not end super soon, but I hope that everybody's on the same page in this nation, in this world. And I hope that it's a wake up call for a lot of people and that ideally, you know, the younger generation gets to wake up every day and know that they shouldn't fear for their life that they should have every opportunity that any other person in this world should. 
whether it be going to college, whether it be walking down the street, going for a run, or even living in their house. I pray that they know that they are accepted, that they are loved, and that this generation, mine, and people older than me are fighting for them. That ideally, um, the light at the end of this long tunnel that we're on is equality for everyone. That it is seeing that everybody in this world has a chance to live their life without injustice, without fear. I am very proud of the city that I live in and um, everybody that's come together to have their voices be heard and raise awareness, spread education, be able to come together and um, protest and rally and be able to show our support. We are using our voices, whether it be social media, whether it be on the radio, and whether it be um, in person, that we are coming together and um, fighting this problem in our nation and in the world. I pray that this ends on a positive note and that there are a lot of changes made in this country for those who have been experiencing this for their whole lives. So I know that this will not be in vain, that I know that a lot of people will be happy that they got their voices out, that there was a goal to all of this. And I am just you know, happy to be part of this movement to awaken a lot of people in this world. Hi, my name is Elijah Cage. I am 15 years old. Uh, I am a 10th grader at La Cueva High School. My pronouns are he, him, and his, and my racial identity is Black and Hispanic. I have been with Generation Justice for two years next week. And um, I've been feeling really sad and hurt that something like this would happen again. And to know that this is still out there is just it's a tragedy because everybody is the same. We may look different, we may act different, but deep down we're all the same. We're all human. And to see like this would happen again is just really, it gets me mad and I'm just hurt deep inside. And I've been seeing protesters protesting about Black Lives Matter. I think it's really cool to see how one person can bring a whole group of people out to show that they're fighting with us. But there are some people that are taking this protesting differently than they should by rioting and looting. And it's just sad to think like, people would do that in a time like this. I don't know, it's just, when I first had heard about George Floyd, it was heartbreaking to see like, nobody helped them. The cops didn't stop what they were doing. They just stood, they were just, uh, the cop was meeting him and eventually he had died. And that's just police brutality and that's wrong. Like that's really wrong. Like nobody should be treated like that, no matter if their skin color, their gender, whoever they are, they shouldn't be treated like that. Thinking about that has really changed my opinion in a lot of ways. Like 
as a 15 year old or a teenager going to school, coming home from school, going where you're going to go, you never know what can happen and you can be gone in an instant and somebody could take your life and you think like, is it because of my skin color or my gender, my race, whatever. And I guess my message is to keep fighting for what you believe and don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't be, especially if you're a person of color or you're a different gender, it doesn't matter. People always have an opinion about you, but that doesn't mean that you should stop living. You should always live your life, not of fear, but of happiness and joy and knowing that you'll be back home tomorrow. And I guess that's my message to you guys today. So, um, bye. Thank you, Asia, for bearing your heart and your pain, and also for sending so much love and so much hope out in your message. And thank you, Elijah, for helping us to understand even just a little bit more of what it is to walk in your shoes. You truly are a leader in Generation Justice and in our community. Thank you. Hakeem Bellamy is a well-recognized voice in this community, as he was the inaugural Poet Laureate of Albuquerque from 2012 to 2014. He's also founder and CEO of Beyond Poetry. He also is the deputy director for the City of Albuquerque Cultural Services Department. To us, Hakeem is family. Hakeem has been an advisor to Generation Justice for many, many years. And we are so proud to bring you this poem that he just wrote to capture this moment, Air Floyd. Check, 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 check. Mic check. What up, Generation Justice? If you're listening to me now, I want to say thank you. Um, I invoke the term mic check because uh, I remember the Occupy movement. I'm, I'm young enough and old enough to be, have been part of the Occupy movement and the more recently iterations of the Black Lives Matters movement. Um, I should be. It's my life on the line. Um, and uh, I'm encouraged that folks like you, Generation Justice, you know, I know y'all rep. Um, you know, uh, we came up together as radio producers when I was at KUNM. And then in my years as an artist, you've invited me on periodically, you've had me on your board. Um, I'm appreciative of the work you do uh, and, and you offering the airwaves to black allies um, and, and black folks and black communities that are always perpetually aggrieved, but are grieving right now in this moment. Um, it's something that you're doing. It's something that everybody's doing. People are doing it with their Twitter accounts and everything. But um, you guys have always done it. And you've been more than an ally. You've been a platform for young African-American um, media producers. Um, for all, you've been, a, you've been an advocate and a platform for young people um, of all stripes and shades. But you've, um, you've done more than just give lip service to the futures that many of us never get to see because our lives are cut short by state sanctioned violence. So, and I do mean sanctioned, I mean sanctioned because you can alter the system to make it not happen. And if you choose not to, then you are implicitly 
sanctioning it. So that's my word to the people who get to make decisions about law and order and justice. So anyway, um, I'm not here to stump and diatribe. I'm here to get, get on it and get out of your way. Uh, you're getting a world premiere of a poem that I just wrote because it took me a while to organize my feelings. Um, ever since I was a young person, I've used writing to organize my thoughts so I don't speak out of turn unless I mean to speak out of turn. Um, uh, it makes my thinking, my writing makes my thinking more intentional. We're talking about a man who was murdered on Memorial Day, and it took me this long to come up with um, something that wasn't just word vomit and, and, and noise and anger, frankly. So this is what I came up with. It is called Air Floyd. George Floyd, the latest in the long noose of names to die in the street, at the hands and feet of police. Public asphyxiation is nothing new, but it has always drawn a crowd, even on Sundays down south. However, he still couldn't get a witness. Amen. Just an autopsy on the house. A hundred years later, same result. His last meal, all asphalt, no air. His last song, the retardando of his pulse. The last thing he saw was a montage of his 46 years on this planet. Feels just like a flash including unequivocal evidence that when it plays, it never starts at the beginning. It always starts at the end and plays backwards. Why else would he cry for his mama? How else would we find him lifeless in a fetal position in these black ass streets? Wide burps built for a steady stream of hearses where we have no choice but to keep it real because we don't get afforded the privilege of rehearsals. The stakes is high. But for everyone else out here, mistakes are fine. And for the cops, mistakes are a fine. It's no place to die. But if you lay face down, hands up, chest to cement, and inhale, you can still smell the wildest dreams of little black boys and their burnt rubber soles begging mom and dad for sneakers that could fly. And if you lay there long enough, you can still hear their laughter, too. That is so powerful, and I am so grateful, and Generation Justice is so grateful to you for sharing this piece to capture this moment in only the way that you can. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this special hour of Generation Justice, honoring our Black family and lifting up their messages. Generation Justice would like to thank KUNM and our funders, W.K. Kellogg Foundation and Colnama Health Foundation. I'm Kateri Zuni. I am Roberta Rael. Before we sign off, we want to give so, so much love to our special guests who trusted us with their messages and their hearts. Tamar Reed, Devante Watson, Joshua Horton, Jeremy Jones, and Nicole Beatty. And thank you to Joshua Green, Avikra Lucky, Aaron Dixon, Zan Dixon, Asia Lujan, and Elijah Cage. Special thank you to Hakeem Bellamy for your poem, Air Floyd. And we leave you with one last message from Kamaria Umi, a GJ family member of over 13 years. She leaves inspiration to end our night. My name is Kamaria, 
and I'd like to share some words in light of everything that's going on. When people talk about race and racism, we tend to forget that we are all a human race. People always say that we need to teach people and also learn how to not see colors. And I say that we need to open our eyes and our minds to all the beautiful colors of our human race and realize that we are all one. When we can realize this, we'll live in a more peaceful world. We always hear that the youth are our future, and I'm a firm believer that the youth, they really are our now. We can all make a difference, but we have to do it strategically. We have to keep fighting the good fight because this isn't going to stop with everything that's going on currently. It's definitely a good start in the right direction. As a community and as a nation, we have to heal and we have to make a difference at the same time. I think music is definitely something that is healing. And I was listening to Michael Fronty the other day to his song, The Flower. And he opens up the song by saying, we can be the healing when you're feeling all alone. We can be the reason to find the strength to carry on. In a world so divided, we shall overcome. We can be the healing. Those are such powerful words. And it's exactly what's going on. And sometimes it's hard to come up with the words that can explain the emotions that you might be going through. And I feel like music is such a good tool to convey these messages. I just like to leave by saying, in a world of negativity, we have to remember to be a positive change and continue to make a difference. We could be the healing. When you're feeling all alone, we could be the reason to find the strength to carry on. In a world so divided, we shall overcome. We could be the healing. We can be the flower in the gun We could be the healing We can be the flower in the gun What would I say to my son or to